Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise be to Allah, the Lord of the Worlds. Over 100 episodes, almost 40 different ethnic backgrounds, living in almost 30 different countries. In just two seasons, the Niqabi Diaries podcast has brought you the stories of Muslim women across the globe. Women united in sisterhood by their commitment to the Deen of Islam. Welcome to season three of the Naqabi Diaries podcast, where, inshallah, we will continue to bring you the stories of the women behind the veil. The Naqabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to another episode of season three of the Naqabi Diaries. I'm your host, Samar, and today with us we have Sister Khaira. Sister, could you please introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do, inshallah? Okay. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My name is Khaira Adedatun. I'm from Nigeria. I, I am just graduated medical laboratory scientist so right now i am just you know enjoying the after school um break so i'm just running my crutches business and uh, you know doing one or two things on the side so yeah while waiting for my internship Mashallah, mashallah, sister. Barakalafi. So, um, sister, could you give us a little bit um, of information about your Islamic background? And um, just for the listeners as well, um, you have um, talk about um, when you use the niqab itself as well, because you have um, told me previously that you don't actually wear the niqab like full time. Okay. So, um, my Islamic background is such that I... I am from a Muslim family, right? But I wasn't, um, well, I would I say I wasn't um, exposed to practicing the deen because, you know, my family had this um, taught, you know, that it's a cultural thing and, uh, you know, Islam is, practicing Islam is just for like the adults. So we just watched our parents pray and fast during Ramadan, you know, and go to the mosque occasionally but we didn't know what it was about we just thought it was a it was something that we do as a, you know muslims and that's all so i took interest in islam myself somewhere in um, secondary school specifically when i was in um, mjss2 like junior secondary school too i was 12 slash 13 at that time and um, I was desperately searching for a connection to something because it was during that period of my life where I didn't have so much friends. I just felt lonely all the time, you know, and uh, I just needed to feel connected to something. And my parents had already like enrolled me to a madrasa during that period, you know, as like, just they just wanted me to have like that basic knowledge of the thing something as a as something they just felt like it was an obligation and then yeah they looked too much in in it they didn't really like like put anything much in it just that okay so they so they can tick it off their list that okay i am going to school i'm going to madrasa you know that kind of thing but it was from there that i started getting much more curious instead of asking my 
teacher then questions about Islam. I was reading Islam from, you know, books online. I was getting recommendations from him on what to read. And I started to fall in love with Islam and, you know, have this, I'm falling in love with like, you know, um, Allah and having this deal to want to practice Islam to the best of my ability. So since as early as I was 13, 14, you know, when I was learning Islam, I got to the section of the hijab. And because like I said, Islam isn't like, um, the way Islam is in our home, right? We've always just, I've always just been told that, okay, as Muslims, one covers their hair and I, um, covering their, covering your hair is for adults, you know, except you're going to the mocks. That's exactly how it was in my house. Uh -huh. So I started getting interested in learning more about hijab. You know, I read the Quran thinking that, okay, I'll get to the part where they say, okay, and cover your hair, you know. <laughs> so I got to the Quran and then I was using this um, translated Quran my dad gave me and it's the Mohsin Khan translation. I don't know if you know this, but in the Mohsin yeah. Khan translation, in the in the in that surah of the hijab, and tell the believing women to lower their gaze and guard their modesty and to not expose on their adornments, except what necessarily appears. In brackets, is written covering everything except one eye or both eyes to see mm -hmm. the way. Right? Yeah. Do you you know that, right? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so reading it at that uh, reading it at that time, I was like, okay, this is yeah, this feels like some extremist, you know, <laughs> um, type of Quran I'm reading. Like, what is this? Like, I would have actually thought it was not the actual Quran, you know. If not for it was give the Quran was actually given to me by my dad, you know, which means you know I trusted his judgment then of course he's my father I trusted that everything he gives me everything he says and does is right so okay I was like okay no like we need to get to the bottom of this and that was like what sparked my many years curiosity on learning exactly what the hijab is so I read a lot of books then online you know downloaded free books on the hijab you know learned about the hijab um the full hijab, the hijab versus niqab debate, you know, and did like, um, what's it called? Just read a lot of it. Then. So it took me like throughout the three years of um, the, my last part of secondary school to, you know, learn that. So by the time I was entering the university, I already had it in mind that, okay, this is something I want to do to please Allah because now I finally understand it. And I have, I am of the opinion that the niqab is not compulsory. So I thought that, okay, by going into university, even if it's not compulsory, for the fact that it's highly recommended, I am going to start my niqab journey there. And I already started wearing the hijab at home. It was quite a very difficult thing because my, you know, my, like my mom was just very worried about, okay, what's packed on the, sudden interest in wanting to you know dress modestly and everything but yeah after three years it was fine you know went to university with that thought in mind but unfortunately I found myself in a private university where I was tricked into believing I would be allowed to wear my hijab only for school to actually resume and I was being forced on an occasional basis to uncover my hair and being told that I could only attend classes with 
uh, wearing like a small turban that covers only my hair to class mm. and I'm um, giving a dress code of this kind of scared to wear this kind of top to wear and shouldn't pass this and shouldn't pass that you know so that was where I spent my last five years in struggling with that so uh-huh. but um towards the end of time there they, they don't disturb like one when one is going to the mocks so it was during that period I used to wear my makeup part time when I'm going to the mocks for Isha at night yeah, for other than that, that's how it was until Alhamdulillah finally left school. I am able to wear my jilbab and my hijab and abaya in peace now. But yeah, I'm still struggling to let my parents get used to the idea of the fact that I also want to wear the makeup. So yeah, that's it. Mashallah, mashallah, sister. May Allah make it easy for you. I mean, so Alhamdulillah. So at the moment now that you um, if you you said you're graduated now. Or you've just come to the end of your journey. Yes. Okay, so um, you know, I've noticed obviously that online you're using the naqab, you know, as like how in in a way that you can represent yourself. So, um, what kind of gave you the idea yeah. to do that? Because for some sisters who don't wear it all the time, you know, it's not something that they would ordinarily do. So, why? Um, you know, I know that obviously okay. you mentioned that it's something you want to wear, but because you're not a full time naqab yeah. as such. Um, what what made you choose to use the naqab um, as your um, online representation? Because I knew that there was a time, like I've always had it in mind, just like I had it in mind in my hijab journey that, okay, in my hijab journey, I'm going to start here with a scarf and I knew that where I want to end up in is with my niqab, inshallah. So it started slowly from the scarf to the hijab and the niqab, I mean, to the hijab and abaya, and you know, and moving on to the jilbab. So it's my online representation because I know that someday in future, I would be wearing the niqab, inshallah. So I didn't want a case where, you know, my pictures with my face uncovered will be online. And when I'm not ready for that part of the journey, to be wearing my makeup, I will be finding it difficult to take off those pictures online. So that's why it's my online representation, even if I wear it part time, because I know that inshallah I will get there sometime, somewhere soon, inshallah. Allah, inshallah, sister, mashallah, barakallah, So um, okay, mashallah, it's really um nice that you um mm. obviously explained that and talked about that a little bit. So. Um, in your experience, obviously you're kind of, you know, you'll be wearing hijab, mashallah, and you want to definitely wear the niqab. Would you say there's a difference between um, how sisters who wear the niqab get treated in Nigeria compared to sisters who wear the hijab? Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, I don't know, it's weird to me because I feel like the difference is very minimal. The niqab is just covering the face and now with the pandemic you know where we are wearing face masks and everything I expected that there would be a difference I mean there would be like this acceptance um, of the niqab but it isn't really like that because everyone looks like I say so far you know everyone looks at someone one who is wearing the niqab as being extreme in one kind of way and um the few times I've managed to wear the niqab out, there is always there's always this, I don't know, there's this weird tension <laughs> that I get from people, especially my Muslim sisters. Like, you know, 
I don't know how to describe it, but no one has come on outright to, you know, question me for why I choose to wear the niqab or anything. So far, you know, I haven't been wearing it for that long. So, yeah, that's how it has been, Sha. Uh, yeah, there is actually, I'm from, you know, things I've heard from my other sisters are wearing niqab, you know, heard that they're treated, you know, differently. But it's not always that bad. It really depends. You know, there's some people that accept him and all. So yeah. Okay, alhamdulillah. Because um, there it wasn't that long ago, um, maybe a few months back, but I heard um that in Nigeria a Muslim woman who was running niqab was attacked because of um the niqab. Yes. Yes, I heard that it happened in a school, and that was it was just so very it was very very sad to hear. Yes, alhamdulillah. So, it, 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 do you think do you think that's something that happens um, quite often, or is it just like an isolated incident? Um, I wouldn't say it's something that happens that often. No, I wouldn't say so. I know what I say is an isolated incident. It was just a situation where you know, okay, there is this general um, this thing against you know women that choose to wear the niqab and someone took it too far that was that incident you know so everyone knows that okay they see any hobby they might not be fully accepting of it you know they might you know throw insult throw jabs once in a while not every time you know it happens but that can happen but um you know if like someone like that was the situation where someone took it like to the extreme in terms of you know and got and got like and physically like attacked the sister so yeah yes. i don't know mm -hmm. i really don't know how to yeah generally i wouldn't I, it really depends on what state or what part of the country in nigeria you are in because i would say in states where it's common to see a nikabi walking on the streets you know no one bats an eye yeah so except in other places where it's not so common so northern places like um you know kaduna abuja kanu yeah and um places where also islam is developing like in the um you know in am yoruba yeah. so in yeah say in so in states like um ilorin ibadan uh, you know, Oshun, it's very, very common there because there is this rise of, you know, proper Islam coming from there. So it's yeah. very common to see a Nikabi on the street. In fact, you know, I'm sure that if I travel back home now, you know, in just on a journey back home, I would definitely see up to like three, four covers like niqab is on the street mm -hmm. so yeah it's much more common there mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so and then so basically the most of the northern um areas yes and muslim and um western areas okay. mashallah because obviously i don't i don't know much about nigeria as in terms of the um the regions okay. as well but yeah mashallah just for the listeners at least so that they can understand a little bit as well mashallah Okay. Oh yes, another question that I wanted to ask you: Have you do you know of any sisters who are um, forced into wearing the niqab? Because you mentioned earlier that 
you know, even when you started wearing the hijab, actually, and you was going to university, that some people thought that you was yeah. being pressured into covering yourself. So is that something that, um, you know, people um, do there? Is it is something that people are being forced to cover themselves, Muslim sisters, to wear the hijab or the niqab? Okay, um, I would say no, because when I said that they thought I was being pressured into it, not exactly pressure, it was more of they thought I was being, uh, was the word brainwashed into following Hi. some extremist path of Islam. Okay. You know, that's when you get the ex uh, occasional, or oh, you want to be part of the Boko Haram or the ISIS, you know, Hi. those kind of jobs. Mm -hmm. So, yes, yeah, so I wouldn't say I've not heard of a case, I've not heard of situations where, you know, a Muslim sister has been forced to wear the niqab, really. It's usually the other way around, you know, and anytime we are wearing the niqab, it's always believed that we are. Um, some extremist part of Islam that, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh -huh. So, yeah, I wouldn't say I've had any, any incidents like that where someone has been forced to wear it in a hub. So, um, like yourself, do you think there's more um, sisters who would actually like to wear the niqab but they're not allowed? Yes, like, yes. A lot of friends that I have, a lot of people that surround me, there is, there is, like, it's that um, a lot, like there's a lot of people. I don't even, you know, most sisters that I know that are as young as, like most sisters that are trying to practice the thing are always interested in, you know, wearing the niqab. Most, like not everybody, but most. So, you know, they do, I, I hear, you know, their stories and, you know, they tell me too that, oh, they also wish to, in fact, um, you know, they also wish they, they could be wearing the niqab and we share, like, it's one of the things we, you know, share in common that, you know, that wish that we'll be able to, you know, fully cover ourselves to please Allah, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Inshallah, inshallah. So um, another question I wanted to ask, actually, obviously being in, you know, a West African Nigerian and mashallah, everybody knows that Africa, especially these areas, they're quite hot. So, um for some people they might be thinking well why would you want to cover your face as well when you're living in such a hot country Doesn't yeah things like that put put you off as sister yeah, yeah. yeah that's actually true what um the truth is yeah even more bothered about the fact that you are wearing the jilbabo and abaya because you wearing your face cover is just oh, that's just one you know extreme but what is always the question of okay it's very hot why would you be wearing layers like why would you be wearing a jilbab and abaya in this weather that kind of thing and i don't know like i try to make them understand that at the end of the day right it's just like you know for example um how would i put it you know no matter how for example no matter how the weather is you know in nigeria someone wouldn't wear a bikini to go out let me use that you know uh -huh. it might be something that uh, it might be something that okay it's common among you know maybe those american america especially the beach areas right that's their own way of you know dressing when it's hot but in nigeria everybody knows that okay no you can't wear no matter how hot it is the, you know you can't wear a bikini to go out and you even feel uncomfortable if you have to do so so it's the same thing because 
um, what's it called? You, you can't you can't decide. One can't, especially if it's your principle. You know, we make them understand that this is part of our game. So, because it's part of our game, doesn't mean that okay, we abandon it because the weather is that hot. And the truth is that you get used to it. Like the weather is hot, yes, but you get used to it. Just like everyone gets used to the fact that okay, we wear clothes even if the weather is so hot. You know, that kind of thing. Like you know, so, and see, for example. You know, Saudi Arabia and UAE, for example, you know, they wear the niqab and their weather is actually much more hotter than ours. Yes, so, yeah, exactly. So it's things like this I realize that it really doesn't like, okay, the heat might be a problem for people, I understand, but you have to choose. It's just about choosing the kind of materials you wear. You know, you're wearing um, lighter materials during the hot weather and uh, wearing breathable clothes and we are totally fine you can't be as you can't be much more hotter than someone that isn't wearing much so far like i don't think there is actually a difference from the days that i didn't wear the uh, hijab with the days i did because exactly it's just something that you get used to and yes, you know that know. okay doing this for the pleasure of allah you know of course of course subhanallah so you mentioned about fabric as well and obviously that that's important um you know that we wear the right yeah. fabrics to help us to actually stay cool so we don't get overheated but obviously definitely yes. part of it is our dedication and commitment because every people do feel hot yes. and i think sometimes people especially yes. like you said and people naturally because um you know obviously yeah. western society does promote people to wear less when the weather is hot as well so that's um you know something that people might be tempted to do but like you said yeah. in the hotter countries saudi arabia and these gulf countries is much hotter than west africa actually the, the heat might be different yeah. but yeah. they're still experiencing um higher temperatures and alhamdulillah the people they still cover themselves and it's also a good way to protect ourselves from the sun as well and not um you know not get our skin like i mean I, i'm not i'm not sure if black people or africans really get sunburns but you know it could it's i suppose yeah. it could still happen you could get like maybe heat stroke yeah. or something like that you know so it's it's, it's still important yeah. to cover yeah. ourselves properly yeah. yes. yes so um sister you mentioned as well um that you do you have like a crochet business so can you tell us a little bit yeah. about that because that's that that makes me feel curious too because being from the UK myself growing up and living in the UK crochet um and any kind of knitwear is also associated with um you know the cold weather and you know you're making things to keep yourself um, warm so how how do you yeah. um, you know what made you get into the crochet and what kind of things do you um, make um, that you use in Nigeria yeah you're absolutely right about that and um my the side of the crochet business I am focused on is quite different from that um I it was more of a sudden like I can say I can't pinpoint that okay this was the reason why I got into crocheting uh, it was just that oh I had time on my hands I really wanted to learn a skill so I started watching YouTube videos realized that it wasn't so hard and from there you know I launched my business it has been two years now alhamdulillah so what I basically do are things like bags you know um air accessories like air scrunchies I do uh, baby wears, you know, they are the ones that need um, wears that would allow them um, to protect them from the cold because of their 
young babies um young bodies so i do things like um you know baby wears baby blankets you know baby hats shoes um i do home decor like um place mats table mats you know i do baskets storage baskets you know so this kind of thing yeah so <laughs> more focused on product that can actually be uh used more than products that can actually be worn in terms of products that actually can be worn another thing i can do with my project is um crop tops so i do crop tops you know for my missing for people to my missing sisters too so yeah mashallah that's that's really interesting and very creative as well so um do you sell your products yes i do i do like how how do you sell them do you have like any kind of shop or are you selling them online or anything yeah, I sell them online. I work from home or I make them at home. So I, when I get another, I send them out. So I have an Instagram page and then I also use my, I also have a WhatsApp business line where people can see the catalog of the items that are available. Yeah, so I sell them. Mashallah, sister, mashallah. Inshallah, we can put um, the link to your Instagram um, in the description box and any other kind of, um, you know, places that people can get in contact with you so they can look at your at, at your products mm -hmm. and inshallah if they're interested they can they can purchase from you as well inshallah so uh mashallah sister um coming to um wrapping up the interview um what advice would you give to other sisters who are in a similar situation like yourself where you do intend to wear the niqab permanently in the future inshallah um what advice would you give to them um you know okay. basically um you know to encourage them okay um number one is you know remember that the reason why you're doing it study a lot about it so you understand the rulings and understand the benefits and that would encourage you to remain steadfast in times where it's hard and another thing my number two in fact it's meant to be my number one but my number two is dua you know know that nothing is impossible without nothing is impossible with Allah's with making dua to Allah so in, even if it's hard even if it looks impossible on how you will be able to wear the niqab in this time you know make sure you add it to your dua I have been you know making dua about this for so long so but keep making the dua keep making the dua inshallah Allah will you know, accept it for me. And it's Ramadan, it's Ramadan, alhamdulillah. Exactly. It's perfect yeah. to make, exactly, to make the dua, Aksala to make it easy for you, make it, um, Aksala to, you know, make those that are around you accept it, especially your family members, you know, so you don't find it difficult, you know, um, Aksala to help you remain steadfast in it and help you to increase your demand by doing it. So um, also another thing is find the best materials. <laughs> this can be so weird, even if we are talking about like, oh, okay, wearing the niqab and everything, but mm -hmm. um, in terms of the act of worship, but 
finding the best fabric and finding the best style is very important because if you're wearing, if you wear the new for the first time, it can be quite uncomfortable to mm -hmm. be honest. And it's all about finding the perfect style because, you know, what you can wear it once and think that, okay, I don't think I would ever be comfortable with the club, but it's just that material or it's just that style. You know, yes. there is a reason why they're half niqab, one piece, two piece, you know, because depending on the kind of facial structure that you have, some are more comfortable for others more than um, some, you know, if you are wearing glasses, you need a wider opening. I have this thing where the, if I wear a one piece or a two piece makeup, it enters my eyes. Yes. Right. So I'm um, so far, yeah, so far, the most comfortable I've found is my half makeup. Mm -hmm. And I make sure that, okay, if I'm wearing it half in half makeup, my kima or my jilbab is properly covering my eyebrows, my yes. forehead, so that my eyebrows don't show. So it's all find the perfect style, find the material. Don't be afraid to buy a lot of makeups. Like don't be afraid to buy different styles from different people. It's buying different styles and from different people that you find the fabric that you love and fabric that you can keep coming to. So if it's hard the first time, just know that okay. Um, try the second time if it's still not comfortable then you need to find another material find another style to wear and yeah that's basically all I have to say about that yeah let me keep going for you know mashallah mashallah sister barakallah so lastly um what does the naqab mean to you sister <sighs> what the naqab means to me it's ibadah to me it's an act of modesty like there is this thing that comes around in the club and knowing that you are doing this for Allah and doing this because you are obeying his injunction to be a modest Muslim woman it's just I don't know it, it, it's an honor like um, just like a, a Muslim sister has to say to me uh, you know I was like she told me, she started wearing an cup full time yesterday. Alhamdulillah, may Allah be it for her. And you know, she described the experience. I mean, she described the experience of being feeling like, okay, it's an honor to be able to dress this way to please Allah. So it it is it's what it is. It's that's what it is for me. It's just ibadah. It's just a way of getting closer to Allah, knowing that you don't have the distractions that other people have in this world in terms of looking trying to look beautiful for those that are outside. And it allows you to look, to focus on actually looking, um, you know, beautiful for those that deserve your beauty inside of the house, especially your spouse, and even your spouse, your family members. So it, uh, it's a weird thing that the, wearing the hijab and the niqab has made me develop, but I'm always like, will I say well-dressed at home compared to every other person. It allows you to be able to do that and you know, focus on, you know, dressing in the sphere in which in which your beauty is allowed to be shown and gives you that confidence, you know, that's okay. When you go out of the house, people don't know how you look like inside, you know, that kind of thing. So, and it's, it's beautiful, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, barakallahu feekum sister, thank you so much for um, talking to me today and sharing your story and may Allah make it easy for you to be able to wear the naqab full time soon, I mean. I mean, I mean, I mean, thank you too, it's an honour to do this interview with you, thank you too for inviting me.
Jazakallah khair, sister. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.